everybody, it's Play to Innovate, the innovation show that goes beyond the hype. Now here's your host, my dad, Brett Schwab. Welcome everyone to another episode of Play to Innovate. Today I want to talk to you about mistakes were made, now you can innovate. When it comes to creativity and innovation, mistakes are a must. But let me set some clear boundaries around what I believe are acceptable mistakes. After all, the majority of us believe that mistakes are to be avoided at all costs, and progress seems to only come from success or correct answers, which is only a part of the story. So, you're okay making mistakes if no one gets hurt or killed, and that's pretty much it. No, no, really, I'm serious. I know that sounds pretty extreme, but I'm serious here. There are plenty of examples of people who cut costs, cut corners, or outright lied, and people got hurt or died. And I'm not just talking about physically hurt, financially, emotionally. Just look at today's news and you'll see examples such as Boeing with their 737 MAX debacle, or Facebook with all of their issues, we'll call them, but some are mistakes and some are just blatant business practices. So if you know better or are crossing your fingers and just hoping it works out in the end, that's not a mistake. At the very best, it's poor judgment. And I've been there, and I know that a lot of you have too. I ended up being the only one that got hurt, but I was there. Unfortunately, all too often, it's a level of arrogance and greed that just boggles my mind and really should be prosecuted half the time. That aside, mistakes are fine if you handle them properly, which is what I want to focus on today, along with how mistakes boost your creativity and innovative skills. I tell my children that I make at least 50 mistakes a day if I'm getting anything done. Now, mind you, many of my mistakes are a part of a design process, and only I see the majority of them. But there are still many mistakes that other people see. I've even made some pretty big mistakes, and other people have seen them. I've felt the effects. I'll get into that in a second. I've found that the bigger the thing I'm trying, though, the bigger the mistake will be. They're inevitable. But that's what they have insurance for, right? So, no, no, really, seriously. Um, I can tell you firsthand, you don't want to be in the position of wishing you paid for the insurance when you had the chance, and now you don't have the chance. So, again, a big mistake. One of the things all of the mistakes I've made in the last 15 years or so have in common is that I've actually learned from them. So sure, some of those lessons were painful, expensive, or leave someone mad at me, uh, but I can tell you that at least I learned something. I can say, without diving in though, making as many mistakes as possible, I wouldn't find the innovative solutions I find. Again, the majority of those mistakes though are within a design process or on a computer or in my mind, so most people don't see them and nobody's really affected by them. It's by trying things, though, assessing, learning, and trying something else that gets me where I want. And while that process sounds time and energy intensive, it doesn't have to be. And that's why I developed Play to Innovate, and I've used it for the last 20 years. It successfully speeds me through this whole mistake-making process to find some really great solutions. 
So what would normally take me, you know, maybe days actually is taking me minutes to hours now. I want to say, though, that if you take anything away from anything I'm saying here today, it's that avoiding mistakes is the best way to kill your business and your career prospects. But of the things I've learned about mistakes, I like what author John Maxwell has to say. There are three primary ways one can deal with a mistake, and he talks about how you can lay in it, leave it, or learn from it. I'll go through those quickly, then I want to talk about how to use your mistakes to boost your business, career, and innovation. So your first option when making mistakes is to essentially lay in it. So when we get in over our heads or make what we consider to be a big mistake, one choice is to lay down and just kind of wallow in self-pity. It's a natural response that everyone has to certain things. Everybody's got their thing. I found that the more someone has dealt with in their life, though, the bigger the thing has to be. But again, everyone has something. I tend to wallow when I know that my foolishness led me to a mistake or that my mistake has affected my family negatively. The problem with this reaction, though, is that it makes mistakes worse and actually can set the direction, the course for your life. Maybe not your entire life, but a, a good couple of years. And I say that out of experience as well. I've met people who tell me that they can never achieve more in life because they tried and they got bit. You talk to them and they tried once and they, they did, they got bit, but they, they never tried again. And they end up staying in a dead-end business or a job because they make one mistake or maybe even two mistakes and then that's it for them. And it really, frankly, it breaks my heart to hear people talk as if their mistakes are a reflection of their worth as a person or have defined their abilities and they are no longer capable of growing. On the other end of the spectrum are those people who do tell me that they keep trying, but when you look at what they're doing, it's really the same thing over and over again. They've never really gotten some kind of mentorship or help to get past that pattern. I mean, had they taken a step backwards, they would have actually figured out that they're not really moving. Innovation requires that we are able to stop or slow down enough to assess and see where we need to adjust or change. That means we are willing to actually make the changes required to move on. And this becomes harder the higher we perceive the stakes to be. The more small business owners I talk to, for example, the more I see how trapped many of them make themselves. Their livelihood and self-image is often so bound up in the success of their business, they are terrified to make changes once they achieve some level of success. The other issue that I've seen is that they look back on the amount of work and money and effort that went into getting where they are, and they are afraid that they're going to have to repeat that process. And I think the, the thought of repeating that process is more than they can handle. But this issue is often only in their heads. Now, sometimes it's not, but often when I talk to them, the issues that they talk about are all in their head. And I know this because I was there myself. It's an easy trap to fall into, but it's deadly when the market or industry changes and you're not willing to risk changing to meet it. And that might buy you a couple of years, but after that, your business is actually going to start to fail. And again, that's actually where 
and actually that's some of the people that I've talked to and they talk about how they had a business and they tried really hard and the industry or the market changed on them and they lost everything and they're never doing that again. And uh, hey, I respect your decision to never try again, but then you kind of get what you get. Now, I realize this mindset in myself, too. And some years ago now, my family and I were driving through Minnesota to meet up with some family in Mount Rushmore. And I actually talked about this whole trip in a previous episode. What I didn't know, though, having lived in the Chicago area my whole life, is that um, on our GPS unit, and yes, this was that long ago, there was a setting that said, avoid unpaved roads. Now, being in the Chicago area most of my life, I actually didn't realize there were things such as unpaved roads. So we suddenly ended up doing 70 miles an hour on a gravel road in a minivan. And our next turn took us on a single lane dirt road, just one way for one lane for both directions, driving through a herd of buffalo. So kind of a big oops. Now, I could have turned back. I could have turned around and gone back and found a more paved road. But at that point, I had been driving for three hours. I actually couldn't stomach the idea of turning back and driving two hours just to get back to a different route. And I could have stopped. I could have gotten out of the car and just kind of cried. But like any mistake, staying there wasn't going to solve anything. Instead, we kept driving and we arrived hours late. And now it worked out for us that time. But I kind of took the advice of a speaker I heard you know, right around that era, who said, hey, if you're going through hell, don't stay there, just keep going. And so we kept going. But the realization for me was that I chose to press on with the hope that we would be fine. And I believe that's what happens to a lot of us, especially when there are few or no real good options, or the thought, again, of the expense and time of all that rework is just too much. We make a mistake and just kind of hope it works out. Or we make a mistake and just stay where we are because we're too afraid or too whatever to move on. We lay in it. The other option is to simply leave the mistake behind and pretend it didn't happen. And I'm not saying that this is always a bad option, but I really actually can't think of when it would be a good option either. And I've done this too. I think we all have. You make a mistake, and instead of owning up to it and working towards a solution, you pretend it didn't exist, or worse, you kind of just blame others. It's from who spilled the coffee in my car and didn't clean it up, or in my case, who spilled their milk in my car and didn't clean it up, to who leaked the earnings before the call, which is uh, something I saw in one company. Many times playing dumb or blaming other people looks like the best option. I think in the case of who leaked the earnings before the call, maybe a whole circle of people blaming each other to uh, protect who really did it might have been a good option. I don't know. That sounds like a really bad thing. When I was nine years old, though, I learned that if you can get caught, you're going to get caught. I became sneakier than ever, or at least I thought I did in my little nine-year-old brain. Eventually, I learned that those things will come back to haunt you, too. So if you actually just leave something behind and you don't ever get caught, eventually, down the road, either that will kind of reflect badly on you, you'll get caught, or something bad will happen because of that mistake you made and left behind and really didn't fix. And those were kind of hard lessons 
uh, for a 9- and 10-year-old. So uh, I eventually learned my lesson. But leaving the problem behind only makes things worse. And again, it reflects badly on you when you do get caught. And worse, you quickly pass the point at which you might have actually been able to gracefully fix the situation. Honestly, people will respect you more if you just own up to the mistake and explain how you plan to fix it. Now, they might not believe you, and in fact, they most likely won't believe you until you do actually fix it and prove that you are putting action behind your words. You know, once I worked for a rather large company that was transitioning their website to a new backend. Now, unfortunately, the new system didn't allow for certain common characters like percent or dash, so all those extended characters above your numbers on the keyboard. Figuring out which characters to fix was an ongoing process that actually by today's standards seems very silly. I mean, why did they have to tell the system to include all these characters? I don't know. But as part of this transition, I was posting pages from our old site to the new one, and uh, one of them contained a percent. I published that page, and the entire site went down for a couple hours. Now, we were still testing, so nobody in the public saw this, but we worked with IT to get the site back up and fix the cause of the problem. At a certain point, they thought they had fixed all the issues, and so I went to post a new article on the new site that was now public, and I was working with IT just to make sure that everything was going okay. And I jokingly asked if it was okay to hit publish, and the developer said, well, there's no reason why it wouldn't work, and the site went down for four days. Now, this is a major company, you'd all know the name, but four days went by, and multiple bosses were upset, multiple vice presidents, the the uh, CEO was livid, but they were less angry because IT took action and explained both how they were fixing the issue and preventing it in the future. They then took action quickly and got the site back up. Now, four days is a very long time to be without your website. They had a backup, but it wasn't as cool and nice as the new site was. I have to say, though, that innovation requires the ability to look mistakes in the eye and be brave enough to work through them. That means instead of just leaving it behind and not learning any lessons, that means learning from it, doing something about it, taking action, proving that you're putting action behind your words. Which leads me to the last option that you have, which is to learn from it. And many of the successful people I've talked to or read books from say that they see mistakes as learning opportunities. And they often call past mistakes dues paid or lessons learned. And while I think in many ways those are actually just self-encouraging platitudes, in more ways they're actually accurate descriptions. After all, your perception of events, your reaction to the things that go on in your world, directs what you get out of them. Remember that your mind is, your, is a filter. So the things that go on in the real world are filtered by your mind. And so your perception is how the world is to you. Other people's perception is how the world is to them. And that's why we have disagreements. But that armchair psychology lesson aside, while the fallout from mistakes can sting or cause you restless nights or upset stomachs, there comes a time when you get far enough away from that mistake to actually look back and learn something. 
Now, it might take you a year to get past a certain mistake, or it might take you more, but the fact is, is that you can actually learn from it at some point. It's at that point where you can actually extract value from that mistake. And if we honestly learn that mistakes are not a reflection of our worth, and instead focus on the lessons, we'll face them with greater confidence and energy. Learning from our mistakes is simple if we are open to dealing with them constructively and reflecting on our day. Early in our marriage, my wife and I were faced with what we thought was the possibility of losing everything financially. So my wife lost her job and we were out of money. Uh, I wasn't making very much money as a designer, so we were in dire straits. I panicked, she panicked. But when we calm down enough to assess the situation and ask for help, I mean, that's the key there, things actually started to turn around, especially with that help and advice. It took some hard work on our part and the help of knowledgeable friends, but we got through it. And we were never really happy with where we were, and so we took the lessons from what we had done and what we went through and, and actually took action based on those lessons. And during and after that period, we took time to reflect on what happened. We accepted that it was mostly our faults for listening to some really bad advice for way too long. We saw how we kept doing the same thing over and over again, thinking it was going to be different each time. We learned a lot about how to tell who to trust and to always get a second or even third opinion, and that sometimes listening to our parents is actually a good thing. The, these lessons wouldn't have sunk in if we actually didn't take a step back and reflect on things and get the help that we needed. And since then, we have actually developed the habit of reflecting on our day and actually talking every night about what went right, what went wrong, and what we learned. And then we talk about what we're proud of that day. It's a team effort, and it's part of our natural conversations now. But once we've talked about those things, we're done with them. We take our lesson and we leave the rest behind. Learning from our mistakes is really where innovation starts. Now that sounds kind of like a non-statement. I'm sure you all know that. We're grown-ups at this point, and so I'm sure you've got enough experience to know that learning from what you've done in the past is where innovation starts. But getting to a place where mistakes are safe and productive is also a key, and it's not as hard as it sounds. But it does help when you can get to a place where mistakes happen as early as possible. So, for example, playing out ideas in your head. I tend to walk through processes or pretend to use products in my mind as I'm designing and developing them so that I can understand how they work out. And then from there, I can actually do more robust testing on that thing. But I do that in my head so that I can very quickly go through a whole bunch of options before I actually start testing the best ones. But then you want to also test with a diverse set of your intended audience. And there are many companies who have run into issues because they don't have the right people either in the room or actually looking at what they are planning to put out into the public. One speaker I heard recently talked about quite a few examples, and her point was that had they had a diverse set of people in the room or a diverse set of people to in their audience to show, so to test with, they probably wouldn't have put those commercials out or those products out 
and have avoided a whole bunch of heartache, money, time, energy, and reputation hit. Now, I think it would be more helpful if everyone realized that we actually fail our way to innovative solutions. Too many people accept the first good solution that comes along, and they call that innovation. That's not innovation. If you actually take a really solid look at those solutions, you'll see that they're really things you've seen before or heard before, or they are heavily based on someone else's solution and just kind of slightly repackaged for your situation. And I'm not saying that that's always a bad thing, speed to market, things like that. And there are times a tried and true method can save a lot of time and money. And if it's a tried and true solution for a safety issue, for example, you may not want to try reinventing things and then shoving that out the door very quickly. That sounds like something that's a really solid uh, R&D kind of thing. But if you want to be more than an also-ran or a follower, you're going to need to take some risks. You're going to need to make some mistakes. So I encourage you to dive in and make as many mistakes as possible. Now, some of the methods I use to kind of do this dive in and make as many mistakes as possible thing are is pushing past what you believe will work and exploring the stupid and absurd ideas. That's actually part of the whole play to innovate process. And it's more fun than it sounds, and it happens quickly in a meeting, so you can leave with some actual real working ideas, and then you pursue those. Or uh, I, what I do almost on a daily basis is I pretend that I can no longer use whatever first idea I landed on, and I have to try something else. And in my mind, I lock that first good idea away, so I have to pursue something else. And then you can look at all the parts of the ideas that didn't work and see if you can make something out of them. So can you combine all the working bits to make something new and workable? But I also try and make a game out of it and try to have a little fun with it. You just basically don't be so serious about it. When you can make things a little bit more lighthearted, you have a little bit more fun with it. It's not quite so serious that everything's on the line. You can actually think a little bit better. Now, if your failure gets out in public, it's actually just time to do the right thing. Now, I'm no PR person, but I can say the people who really do the right thing can recover. And I'm talking to you, Facebook. Seriously, how many data breaches, scandals, and false apologies are we going to get? There's a reason I'm actually not on that platform more than just to lurk at what my friends are doing. I, I really try hard not to post anything anymore. And look, I don't know what happened with Boeing to cause their 737 MAX failure. I've been told that accounting did the thinking, so greed was a major factor. And I've also been told that speed to market encouraged cutting some corners. So I can't really say. But once you fail like that, once your failure is out in public, it's time to own up to it. I mean, this is not PR. This is just common human decency. Saving your reputation and credibility counts on being a grown-up and doing the right thing. So admit the mistake and then talk about what you're going to do to fix it. And honestly, if you really don't have an idea of what to do to fix it, and you can see this again in the Boeing case where they actually are not quite sure what to do to fix it, or they found a solution and now they have to do all this extensive testing, then tell people that. Look, we don't know what to do to fix it. We're working on it and we're just owning this mistake. But once you get to that point where you know what to do to fix it, 
Talk about how you're going to prevent it in the future and what you learned. And be sincere. Take the action. Now, again, I want to stress that avoiding mistakes is the best way to kill your business and your career prospects. Even in my design portfolio, I include an example of a mistake so that I can talk about how I handle them. But again, mistakes don't have to be in public. As a designer, it helps when I include the right voices up front. That means talking to the software developers and internal product experts, other designers, getting their critiques. But that also means making sure that I talk with a diverse group of my intended audience. And honestly, if you tell me that you can't talk directly to your audience for one reason or another, understand that that's actually just an excuse, that you're not trying hard enough. About three or four months ago, I talked to a company that produces very expensive equipment, and they told me that they can only talk to their dealers. They can't really get to their customers, the people using this expensive equipment. And when I say expensive, I'm talking $60,000, $70,000, all the way up to $200,000. It just boggled my mind that they limited themselves to just talking to their dealerships when their audience is all around them, and they could have actually just gone to people and started slowly building up a group of people that they could talk to. So if you're not talking to a diverse group of your intended audience, and I'm not talking just you know, um, you know, the color of their skin here or their gender, I'm talking about age, experiences, things like that, then you're just making excuses. It's time to get out there and do something about it. I have to say, above all else, one thing that I try and remember is that a life without mistakes and failures is one without advancement and even adventure. Now, I don't like making mistakes as much as the next person. I don't like failure at all. Now, it may feel safe and secure or the right thing to do, but what's really going on when we avoid making mistakes is someone else is passing you up while you're focused on being right. It may mean a few more hours or even months that you don't want to spend. It may mean more money that you don't want to spend. But if the reward is advancement and actually the security that comes from that, isn't that worth it? Well, I hope you got something out of everything I was talking about today. I had a great time talking at you, and I will talk to you later. Bye. Oh, hey, while I have you here, if you are ready to do more, you want to be more creative and innovative, no matter what work you're doing, pick up a copy of my book, Play to Innovate. You'll find it on Amazon. And I'm also setting up hands-on seminars in the Chicago area. So if you or your group would like to learn how to work through one of your projects, Contact me at 847-250-6743 and leave a message, or email me at bret at fivepebblesllc.com. That's bret at the number five, pebblesllc.com. All right, talk to you later.